I speak to you in the name of our one God, our creator, redeemer, and sustainer. Amen. The Reverend Dr. William Harkins tells the story of starting a new pastoral care ministry in a mid-sized church in Georgia where he served. A group of interested parishioners and he met to talk about the possibility of offering home communion visits, hospital visits, a prison ministry, grief and parenting support groups, a casserole and cleaning brigades for families in need, and training lay pastors. After a few months of research and conversation and discernment and prayer and listening to the Spirit move them, they came up with a plan, they presented it to the vestry, and then they began to implement the plan. And all was going very well. And then it began. One team member, John, started to ask questions about best practices. Shouldn't we implement best practices and create formal guidelines for documenting the lay pastoral visits? Then Deborah was certain that she should be the one to lead the grief support group because she had lost both of her parents and her spouse earlier in her life. Then Donna disagreed with Jeff about the best way to prepare and deliver meals to families with newborns, and then Max got mad at Bob because Bob couldn't ever find time to set up the prison ministry visits, and so they never managed to go. And one after another, they began to complain to Pastor Bill about someone else or some aspect of this new ministry. Now, if you think Father Bill was annoyed and saddened, which indeed he was, and why wouldn't he be, you should check out what Paul has to say to the Galatians in today's letter. Paul is writing this urgent pastoral letter, and he is annoyed, and he is saddened by what's going on. Let me just back up a moment here. Paul founded these churches in Galatia, more than one probably, and it's Galatia's today's central Turkey. And he founded these churches among formerly Gentile pagans. He baptized the new converts. He could see the spirit moving among them. And then he moves on to found other churches. And all was going well until a group of Jewish Christians showed up. And they came with a slightly different message. They tried to convince that the, Gal the Galatians that they needed to be circumcised in order to have full membership in Christ. And Paul thought this was an issue that had been settled at the Jerusalem Council that we read about from time to time in the Acts of the Apostles. But in any event, Paul gets word that the Galatians think they're required to observe some aspects of the Jewish law. He's very suspicious about the motives of these Jewish, gen these Jewish Christians. And he becomes outraged and he sends off this letter. And the verses we have in today's reading are... Paul's summation of his argument. It's really quite convenient. We just read these verses and see what it's all about. Paul's reiterating his argument from earlier with this distinction that he makes between letting ourselves be guided by the flesh or by the spirit. Now, flesh is Paul's way of talking about, yes, physicality and our bodies, but also about anything human-oriented. So if we are guided by the flesh, we are letting our self-indulgences, our egos, our human values determine how we should act. For the Galatians, they are guided by the flesh because they feel pressure from these law followers to tell them how to act even after they've already heard and begun to follow 
the Holy Spirit. For Father Bill and his pastoral care team, they are guided by the flesh because they're letting things like a desire for rigid best practices dominate the pastoral care itself. They seek to assess oneself and others according to a hierarchy of grief rather than simply providing the support that is needed to those who are grieving. They get caught up in questions of organization and timing rather than just showing up to serve in prisons. And they argue over how best to cook and deliver meals to families with crying newborns and hungry and tired parents. And they complain and they complain. By contrast, Paul argues that if we live by the Spirit, we live a radically different life. We have the opportunity to live a radically different life. To live by the Spirit is to live according to God's grace given to us in the cross. And then when we do that, we work for the good of all, boasting not in our prowess, but in what Jesus Christ has done for us in his crucifixion and resurrection. And this is why he's so mad at the Galatians. It's the cross, not the law, that is the basis of our relationship with God. It is God's grace shown to us in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and which comes to us in the spirit after Jesus departs. That's our guide. That should be our guide. So when the Jewish Christians are arguing for circumcision, they're undermining God's grace. They're basically saying it's not sufficient. We need more than that, but Paul's argument is the exact opposite. We don't need more than the spirit. It is sufficient. And if we don't trust that the God's grace is sufficient, then we are placing our confidence not in God, but in ourselves and earthly measures of how to act. And when we do that, we don't work for the good of all, as Paul says, but for ourselves. When we live by the flesh, we end up with divisions between the Jewish Christians and the Gentile Christians in Galatia. And in Father Bill's world, we end up with divisions between those who want rigid rules and those who don't, you end up with a distinction between the original glorious plan of pastoral care and the reality of trying to live it out with different personalities and ways of operating in the world. Paul does not want these divisions for the Galatians or for us because it's not what God has done. It's not what God has done. What Paul wants us to know and the Galatians to know is that God has done away with all those divisions. When we accept the cross not just brought about Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection, but actually crucified the world's understanding as to how to be in relationship with God, how to be measure one another according to God's grace not according to our measurements, because those two, our measurements and values, were also crucified, done, gone. And what takes the place is a resurrected sense of living, a way of living, relationship with God that's built on God's grace, not on following the law, and, and the way of being that is about living into the spirit, not living according to the flesh. Now, Paul gets so excited about this shift so excited, he can barely write, and our translation doesn't do it justice. 
Paul basically trips over his pen. He starts writing in his own hand. He's no longer having his scribe write for him. He's writing in his own hand, and he's writing so fast and so excitedly that, in fact, in the original Greek, there's a dash. There's, it doesn't actually make grammatically sense, and it's as if he's just jumping for joy, and he comes out with new creation, kind of out in the middle of nowhere, new creation. He's so excited because it really is so amazing. Christ's death and resurrection has made all things new. All the old categories are dissolved, and God's grace is enough. And God's spirit is our only guide. And when we let this happen, when we acknowledge its existence, the old divisions dissolve. So when Paul says earlier in this letter, there's no longer Jew or Greek, there's no longer slave or free, there's no longer male and female, for all of you are one in Christ Jesus, he really does mean all. He means there is no longer Republican or Democrat or black or white or wealthy or poor or housed or unhoused or healthy or health-challenged. All means all. The divisions are gone. And once we understand God's new creation is in us and around us, the right response is to work for the good of all, as Paul says, beginning in our community of faith and then radiating out into the world. There is indeed work to be done. He's not denying that, and he affirms it, but it must be grounded in the spirit and in this new creation that is already there, rather than being grounded in human divisions and human measures of value. Well, Father Bill eventually saw this come to pass with his congregation's pastoral team, right? It had started with all that excitement through the power of the Spirit, and then it began to live according to the power of the flesh, according to worldly measures and values. Until the day that one member of the team, Janice, got very sick. In fact, she had a heart attack on a plane soon after takeoff and was kept alive by CPR until the plane could turn around and return home to Atlanta. The pastoral team, which had been caught up in divisions and rules and dithering and frustrations and superiority, found new life in helping Janice and her family get through the next six months. And they brought that new life, that new creation, to the congregation as a whole. They focused on her and her care and working for the good of all in a totally new way, unified as a team. They were boasting of the cross of Christ rather than boasting of themselves, living into the spirit and finally, finally knowing that God's grace is truly enough and sufficient. And so God's grace indeed transformed how they lived in the world. As Paul would say, indeed, new creation. So I ask you, when have you witnessed new creation? The living faithfully according to the spirit and not the flesh. The eradication of divisions, even for an instant. And the understanding that God's grace and the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ is sufficient to bring us to a totally new place to our new creation because we can live in the new creation that is already out there among us. Can you think of something in your life or in the lives of those around you? 
And if you're sitting here thinking, this is crazy, how can we talk about new creation at this time, this current time in which we live, in which it seems like all we have are divisions, just know this, God has already done it. God has already done it. God is just waiting for us to open our eyes and hearts to what God has already done in Christ for us and to live into it. The new creation starts with us to see it, to live into it. It starts with us knowing that God, God's reality is out there, is in our midst, and to see it even as our own reality sometimes muddies the picture. It starts with us to live into this new creation, to approach it with joy and wonderment as Paul has. God is waiting for us to shout new creation because words will fail us at the wonder of God's grace when we live fully into the Spirit and when we know that it is indeed sufficient. It is enough. And out of that knowledge and out of our hearts that, again, that take on that knowledge and live into it, that is when we all can cry out, even for an instant, new creation, as Paul has done for us. Amen.